Yeah, thank you. Really glad that you're here. Happy Easter one more time. Why not? Can't say it enough because we don't get to say it until again next year. It's kind of like, well, Merry Christmas, you get to say it for several months, you know, well, <laughs> several weeks anyway, depending on your how rebellious you are. <laughs> Some of us will just do it whenever we want to. Hey, ah, uh, Jesus invites everyone to his uh, party. It, uh, okay, I'm just gonna, I like, I'm just gonna leave it that way. If, if you're not comfortable with Jesus having a party, talk to me about it later. We'll see if we can work something out. But I'll just tell you, Jesus is planning a huge party. How big a party is he planning, Pastor? Well, he's planning a wedding feast that will make anything that we've ever seen in Bay City or anywhere else that really does wedding suppers look like things we did in Indiana when I was growing up. People thought Connie and I splurged because we had cheese and crackers besides our cake. Whoa, wow, that was awesome. You guys really splurged. <laughs> yeah, okay. So Jesus is inviting everybody to his party and he welcomes everyone who accepts the invitation. There's nobody that's going to be told, oh, I'm sorry, you can't come. <laughs> I have an invitation. Well, we don't like the way you look. There's no bouncer at the door at Jesus' party. The people following Jesus will always, always seem to surprise. It's amazing. The people following Jesus often surprise the proper rule-keeping religious people. If you're not sure about that, just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the record of Jesus' life, and you'll find that to be true. Uh, we're going to call them for the next four weeks. We're going to talk about four of them in particular. We're going to call them unlikely converts. And today I want to introduce you to the one person I'm going to call the first resurrection messenger. Actually, I'm not going to call her that. That's what she is. And that's what she, that was what she did. That was her position. That's her place in history. She's the first resurrection messenger. Uh, toward, she's introduced to us toward the beginning of Luke's record of Jesus' life. Uh, she's mentioned in all four Gospels. Uh, toward the beginning of his uh, record of Jesus' life, Luke mentions a group of women who followed Jesus and the 12 disciples and supported them uh, out of their own means. Now, just going to pause for a moment. That doesn't mean as much as you think it might mean. In a culture where women couldn't have jobs, and it was very difficult for them to own anything, it would be very difficult for them to have a whole lot to give. But what they had, they gave to take care of Jesus and his 12 disciples. Why would they do that? 
Well, Luke tells us that Jesus had healed these women from evil disease, evil spirits and disabilities or diseases. They were thankful for what God had done in their lives because of Jesus. And so they followed him. And the first one who's mentioned and the first one who's named is Mary Magdalene. She was one of these women. Seven demons had come out of her. Uh, well, I'm going to stop and just... Mary Magdalene. There, there are a lot of Marys in the life of Jesus. There's Mary, his mother. There's Mary, the sister of Martha, the uh, sister of Lazarus. There's... Uh, we get down to the end of the story of his life. There's Mary, who was married to a guy named Clo Clovis or Cle Cleopas, depending on how you want to. And there, there's another Mary, and there's there's. So how do we tell them apart? Well, some of them we, you know, well she was the husband or wife of so and so, and this one was Mary Magdalene. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's kind of like Jesus the Nazarene. He was Jesus from Nazareth. She was from a town called Magdala. She was Mary from Magdala. Mary Magdalene. Seven demons had come out of her. Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. Now what on earth does that mean for us in the 21st century? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I, although I, I've suspected a couple of times, but, well, okay, actually only once. No, twice. I, I, but I don't think I've ever really met somebody who was actually demon-possessed. So I have to wonder, what does it mean for somebody to be demon-possessed? What does that mean? Maybe you don't think you have it all figured out. So but maybe this, what does that mean? It, well, it could mean exactly what it says. Seven fallen angels, spiritual beings, had taken over her body and her life, and Mary was possessed by, oppressed by, controlled by seven demons. We don't understand what that is because we've never seen it. We don't understand. You know, that sounds weird. Well, a lot of things sound weird, scary. And it's probably not anything like what you saw in the movie some one day. In fact, I would guarantee that if you saw it in a movie, it's probably nothing like what she went through. Because they don't know anything more about it than we do. Or it could mean that she suffered from a, some severe mental illness like schizophrenia or maybe a multiple personality disorder. And they didn't know what else to describe it as, so that's what they called it. But whatever we might call it in the 21st century... Mary had an enormous problem until she met Jesus. And then her story went something like this. I was this way, and now I'm this way. And the thing that happened in between was Jesus. I can't explain that. And how I got here, I really can't explain other than Jesus. And because of that, she did everything she could to help Jesus. 
Now, I need to clarify something because from what I can find in around 500, the year somewhere in the 500s, some preacher decided that Mary Magdalene was the woman who was talking. This is Luke chapter 8, where she's introduced. In Luke, end of Luke chapter 7, uh, a woman with uh, was a prostitute anointed Jesus' feet at a Pharisee's home, and somehow this preacher made the conclusion that Mary Magdalene was this woman. Not, not. But ever since then, people have been talking Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. She was demon possessed. That's bad enough. Whatever that means, that's pretty bad. But she wasn't a prostitute. That was the other lady. Jesus changed her life too. This is what Luke says about this. After this, after he had been anointed with perfume by this woman, Jesus traveled about from town to town and village to village, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Now, that's the last time we hear about them. Until Mary Magdalene and these women show up at the crucifixion. We just remembered Good Friday two days ago, three days ago, depending on how you count. Remember Jesus betrayed was betrayed by Judas for 30 silver coins. Peter denied Jesus three times. I don't know him. I don't know him. I bleep it. Bleep, 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 fisherman cussing. Don't know him. See, we get the sanitized version. We probably should get the sanitized version. I had a boss, though. I, I swear, I had my first boss when I worked in the hospital could cuss in ways that sailors would have been in all of I think that's the way Peter cursed himself on the third time. When he said, I don't know him. Pretty sure. Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter denied knowing him and cursed himself. The other ten men deserted Jesus and hid when he was arrested. But Mary Magdalene, Jesus' mother, mother, Mary, were near the cross. <coughs> We talk about how Jesus was deserted and left all alone. 
By we, I mean the guys who keep telling this story. Because we keep forgetting that the ladies don't desert him. They were near the cross when he died. Near enough that Jesus talked to his mother and his one disciple was there with her. Mary Magdalene and Mary, Jesus' mother, followed the man who buried Jesus and put his lifeless body in a tomb. That Joseph one of those men loaned to Jesus. Yeah, he didn't think he was loaning it to Jesus. Let's get this straight. Everybody, everybody, all 12 disciples, Mary, his mother, Mary Magdalene, all the women who had been following him, all the women who did not desert him and were near the cross, everybody who was at the cross, all of them knew dead people, Stay dead. Once you're dead and you're buried, unless something really strange happens, like Jesus shows up and calls you out like he did with Lazarus, dead people stay dead. Well, if you're Jesus, there's nobody to come and... There's no hope. This man is dead. He's dead. Early on the first day of the week, John tells us, all three, all four of the Gospels tell us this. <coughs> uh, early on the first day of the week, on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, Matthew, Mary Mar Magdalene, Mark, Mary Magdalene, Luke, Mary Magdalene, John, Mary Magdalene. Some other the women went to the tomb. Why did they go to the tomb? They went to the tomb to do a countdown. No. They did not go to the tomb going, all right, ladies, 10, 9, 8. Any moment he's going to blow that stone away and come out. No. They went there bawling their eyes out thinking they were going to anoint him. They were going to fix the lousy job of anointing and for burial that the two guys did on Friday night. Because the guys were in a hurry. Now ladies, you know what happened when two guys are in a hurry. Yes. I, for those of you who are online, all the women here are nodding their heads. And all the ladies out there online are nodding their heads too. I know. And guys, we know it's true. When we're in a hurry, just get it done. And the women are going, okay, I'll come back and fix this later. That's what they were doing. They were going to the tomb to fix it. They went to the tomb. Mary went to the tomb, and she saw that the stone, there was no time for a countdown. When she got there, the stone was already moved. She went to the tomb and found it was moved. So she ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and she said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. 
she assumed that since the stone was moved that he had been stolen. Not that he was alive. Because dead people stay dead. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both of them were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. Uh, most people think John, who wrote the gospel, is the other disciple, just was trying to be modest and not mention himself. Although he's not real modest because he manages to tell us multiple times that he outran Peter. Watch. Listen to this. Uh, so he... They both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. And he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Now, before you jump to the conclusion that he believed that Jesus was alive, John himself inserts this statement. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. What did he believe? He believed what Mary told them. They stole the body. And we don't know where it is. Because dead people stay dead. Then the disciples, Peter and John, went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and other, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? Now, just got to pause for a moment because sometimes to us that sounds a little rude. Because I remember once calling my wife woman. We, we, in fact, at that point we were just dating. And I was soundly reprimanded. We don't do that. Okay, so you, I don't, I, but when they said it, it means more like ma'am. Excuse me, ma'am, why are you crying? Not like woman, okay? <laughs> Not like woman, what's wrong with you? It's like, man, excuse me, ma'am, why are you crying? Okay, and she says to these two angels, they have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. See, she expected a dead body to remain buried. But Mary's about to become the first resurrection witness and messenger. She just doesn't know it yet. John goes on to say this. She turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus she may have thought, wow, he looks like Jesus. But then this next thought would have been, but it can't be Jesus because dead people stay dead. And he says, woman, excuse me, ma'am, 
Why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he's the gardener, the one in charge of the tomb, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. I will get him, and I'll put him back where he belongs. Because dead people stay dead. They don't move themselves. And then John says, Jesus said to her, Mary, And she turned and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. He called her name, and she knew him. And now here comes her commission. As the apostle to the apostles, the first sent one, the sent one to the sent ones. The first messenger of the resurrection. Jesus says, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to my father. Now, for a long time I thought, what does this mean? Is he like not quite finished resurrecting? Is he kind of like the butterfly that's not completely out of the cocoon? What is this thing about don't hang on to me? I finally, I finally realized what it was. He's saying, listen, we've got things to do here. Don't hang on to me. We've got a job to do. You've got a job to do. Your job is to not hang on to me. Go instead to my brothers and tell them. Your job, your commission is to be the sent one to the sent ones. To be the first messenger of the resurrection. <clears throat> Go tell them. I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And then it tells us, John says, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So I want you to, this is the, this is the sermon in the sentence for today. Jesus authorizes the least anticipated. Mary Magdalene, a woman in a society where women weren't even allowed to testify in court because, well, women are emotional and hysterical and you can't trust a thing they say because they don't. That's what they said. Now, I don't say that. I have three daughters, five granddaughters. I'm outnumbered. I know better. I've had arguments and lost, not because I couldn't, but because they are smarter than I am. Uh, I, okay? Jesus authored that nobody anticipates women. In fact, there was a Greek philosopher who tried to prove that Greek, uh, Christianity was not true, the resurrection never happened, and his first argument was, it couldn't be true because the first people who saw it were women. Obviously, it couldn't happen. <laughs> well, it did. And the only reason we know is because the first people who were there were the women. 
who told the men, who found out about it later because Jesus said, okay, well, include the guys. Yuck. I like them too. You know, they did hang out with me for three years. Okay. Right? Nobody anticipated. And who would anticipate hanging, picking the very first messenger to be somebody who had been whatever seven demons means, possessed by seven demons, whatever that means. No theological training. No, 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 no. Went to Sabbath day for, you know, every day, every week for 30 years. You know, she didn't have bent, bent pins or, 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 or you know, Probably probably wasn't really well educated other than the fact she'd been hanging out with Jesus. Her claim to fame. She'd met Jesus and he changed her life and she hung out with Jesus. She stood with him and was by the cross and she was the first one to end up at the tomb on Sunday morning. And the first one to see him. And he goes, you get to be the first one to tell people. But you notice again what happened when Jesus called Mary's name. Her whole mindset, her whole view of life, her whole paradigm if you want to use that word her, her, everything shifted up until that moment, everything in her world was based on the idea that dead people stay dead and now she's face to face with the man who didn't stay dead And now she knows that anything is possible in God's kingdom of love. I mean, she already had a hint because he'd taken, cured her of seven demons. She'd already seen him feed thousands. She'd already seen him heal blind people and deaf people. And she saw him call Lazarus out of the, the grave. But now she knows that she knows that she knows Anything can happen in God's kingdom. Right now, in our world, somewhere between 7.9 and 8 billion people are searching. They may not be aware of it, but the search is loudest in the, the, our efforts to try to control each other and the way things happen in the world. It's, it's trying to conquer our fears. When we try to tell each other how we, it, you know, if you just act this way, I'll be fine. I know two things. It doesn't matter how I act, you're never going to be fine. Please don't hit me. I'm never going to be fine, no matter how you act. My being fine has nothing to do with how you act. My being, your being fine has nothing. The only way any of us are going to be fine is that we get connected with Jesus. 
See, when Jesus calls our name, everything changes. <laughs> Has nothing to do. I'm going to leave. I'm going to, well, I am. It has nothing to do with who gets elected or appointed, how the stock market goes, how the prices go. It does all those things that seem to have been so important, whether we get to wear masks or not wear masks, get vaccinated, not get vaccinated, all these things we've been yelling and screaming and fighting about for the last two years, it means absolutely nothing. Jesus calls our name. That changes everything. Mary thought Jesus was a gardener, and he didn't embarrass her. He didn't go, are you different? I'm sorry. That I, you know, that might have been. He, he didn't he didn't tell her all the reasons she was wrong. You should have recognized me. After all the time we spent together, you know, you should have known it was me. He didn't say, okay, now let's have a Bible study so you can figure out this. He just called her by name. There are all kinds of people around us who are totally confused. You're probably sitting in the seat of one. Oh, I mean, next to one. If you're not sure what I said the first time, I'm saying you're confused. I know I'm confused. Just say their name. That's all Jesus did. Call them by name and love them. What if I don't know their name? And don't say anything. Don't just love people like Jesus did. The only people Jesus did any teaching with were really the really uptight, rule-following religious people. Those are the people Jesus would say, okay, now you and I need to come and have a Bible study together. Because you obviously don't understand the Bible verse you just quoted. And he would call them names to try to wake them up and shake them up. In place of our attempts to enforce our rules and our thoughts and our, our desires and our preferences on other people, what do you think would happen if, if we simply loved each other in our circle of friends and everybody outside our circle if we simply loved each other as Jesus loves us? That seems like a radical concept. Believe Jesus. He's the one who told us to do it. Whether we want to do it or not, we end up memorizing what we do repeatedly. It's the way God wired us. It's the way we're made. It's how we're made. It's it. So we need to pick the things we want 
to memorize, to internalize. We, we need to be careful. If we want to become people who are, are becoming loved like Jesus and turning into loving people, then we need to fill our lives with songs and practices and habits that communicate love and grace and generosity and forgiveness. And we need to repeat those actions so often that they become our immediate response to people. And we don't even realize that we're doing it anymore. It's just a reflex. We don't need accolades. We don't need to do a selfie of us doing something nice and kind with somebody and put it on Facebook so everybody goes, oh, what a wonderful person. Pray for me. Because when I see those things on Facebook, I have to scroll fast. Because my natural inclination is to go, I sure hope you don't follow Jesus. Because if you do, you just got all the rewards you're ever going to get. And if I ever meet you, I'm going to tell you what I really think. That's why I have to scroll fast. Because I'm not supposed to do that either. But is that I'm being tempted. Everybody's going, boy, I hope he doesn't see my stuff. I'll go take it down. Did he say that? I don't know. <sighs> oh, yeah, because here, here's the next thing I was going to say. They don't feel a need to criticize people. <laughs> yeah, I'm not fine either. I still got work to do. Uh, I still need to work on a whole lot of stuff, folks. This is what I know. If Jesus is love, and he is, then I want to become love, too. If Jesus is love, I want to become love, too. And the Holy Spirit, that's his job. That's what he does in us. Will you join me in asking the, asking the Holy Spirit to make us love like Jesus? Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Wow, do we need you. Well, I know I need you badly. It is so easy. free of that. In a room like this and in 
the homes and the whatever other places there might be where people are online. There are individuals who want to be free from other things, or maybe even the same thing. There are things that we want to be free from. There are things that we know are not love like Jesus loves. And we're looking forward to the day when we could say, I was like that. Now I'm like this. And the only difference is, the only way I can explain it is Jesus. Jesus called my name. <coughs> and something deep inside of me changed. And a critical spirit was broken and cast out. angry, fearful attitude was taken away and I was set free. A desire to, to numb the pain taken and my pain was healed and now I'm free because I heard Jesus call my name Jesus call our names set us free send us to the least anticipated, least likely, to those that you're longing to welcome into your party, into your kingdom family. pause for a few moments and allow you just between yourself and Jesus in this moment just invite him to speak your name open your life to let him set you free whatever way he wants to
Help us. Help us to be ready to hear your quiet voice simply say, Excuse me. How can I help you? Magdalene was the first resurrection messenger. But now it's your turn. Our turn. Jesus sends you and me to tell our friends and family and everyone else we can the good news. He is alive. I've met the king. He is alive. You are sent. Go with the Holy Spirit.